Well, good morning. A very warm welcome to you on this uh, special day, uh, the Good Friday service, as we remember all that the Lord Jesus has done uh, for us on the cross. A very warm welcome to you if you're a guest here. If this is the first time you're here, uh, welcome to to you. Uh, Please do make yourself known after the service. It would be great uh, to get to know you uh, better. Uh, Welcome to those online as well, following along online. We do hope that you enjoy the service uh, as we gather together. Uh, A real pleasure to be able to, to do this as we remember all that the Lord Jesus has done for us. And we remember as well that, that, this, that all that Jesus has done for us is a fulfillment of prophecy. As the, the prophet Isaiah, uh, he speaks of the coming Messiah in Isaiah 53. He says this, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. This is all that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, did for us as he was pierced for our transgressions. The Lord Jesus, as the innocent one, was pierced that we, through his wounds, would know the peace of God. He was stripped, beaten, and crucified in our place that through him we would come to know the living God. As we draw near to God, we know that we, we can't do that in our own strength, in our own righteousness. Because as Isaiah says in verse 6 of Isaiah 53, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way. Let's just take a moment now to come to the Lord to say sorry to him. That we would receive his forgiveness afresh. Heavenly Father, forgive us for our wandering. Forgive us that we have staggered into sin in recent days and even today. Forgive us, Lord, for the moments that we have engaged in gossip, tearing others down, those made in your image. For the moments in which we have been lazy selfish, harsh with others, bitter, unforgiving, irritable, and angry towards others, displaying our own hard and sinful heart. For the moments in which our hearts, our minds, and our eyes have wandered in impure and dark thoughts. For the moments that we have not loved you as you deserve to be loved, and not loved others as we ought. Forgive us, we pray. But we thank you, Lord, that all through the Lord Jesus, through what he has achieved on the cross, that we can come to know and experience your forgiveness. That Jesus paid it all. 
as the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In Jesus' name we give thanks for your amazing grace. Amen. The first reading this morning is taken from Psalm 22, uh, verses 1 to 21. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? O oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer, by night, and am not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me, they hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you, from my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions tearing their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver my life from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. Continuing from verse 22. I will declare your name to my people in the assembly. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honour him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes a theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfil my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him, for dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him, those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. 
future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. I love that hymn we've just sung. It's one that touches my heart. It's a fitting introduction to our time of prayer. My song is love unknown. My saviour's love to me. Love to the loveless shown that they might lovely be. Oh, who am I that for my sake my Lord should take frail flesh and die? Let us pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence on this Good Friday morning as we come to worship you, the eternal, almighty God, the Holy One who inhabits eternity. We're humbled before you, conscious of our sin and our failure and our desperate need, but amazed at your grace and your mercy in sending your Son to be our Saviour. We thank you that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We thank you for the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Lord, we worship you. We acknowledge our need of you. We could never have saved ourselves, but you have provided the way in the giving of your Son, who was nailed to the cross, who bore our sin in his own body on the tree. For us, the Saviour died. And we come into your presence with thanksgiving. Oh, help us to understand it. Help us to take it in, what it meant to you, the Holy One, to bear away my sin. Our gracious God, we ask your blessing upon us at this Easter time. We pray for the various activities that we're involved in as a church. We pray for Jeff Steadman and the team as they take the service at Meadowcroft. Grant them help and wisdom and grace as they share the good news of the gospel with those dear elderly folks who are there. May there be those who will turn and put their trust in you. We pray for those who lead the various Easter services and events. They might know your mind. They might be stirred by your spirit to preach your precious word. The many more will hear of Christ and will come to know him as Lord and Saviour. We pray for the film being shown this evening, that as the death of Christ is portrayed, many might ponder on all that the Lord Jesus Christ did on our behalf, and that there will be those who will seek you and find you as Lord and Saviour. We pray, our gracious God, for those serving you. We pray for Bethan and Tenabu and their family in Senegal. 
and for the great work they're doing as work on the clinic site moves forward. Bless that work, we pray. And Lord, help Tenebu and Bethan in their opportunities to read your precious word with seekers and to support believers through discipleship. Grant your good hand of blessing upon the Easter services and celebrations that they'll be having at this time, that there'll be a good impact on the community there. Bless them and their children, we pray. And Lord, we pray too for John and Abby Hunt. We thank you for them and their service for you in Nigeria. We thank you for the good news that solar panels and batteries and water pumps have now been installed and for all that you have provided for them. We give you thanks too for Steve and Matilda and pray your blessing upon them and their work for you with Wycliffe Bible Translators. We pray, gracious God, for the Easter Sunday services here, for the anointing of your Spirit upon those who preach your word, and that you stir up our hearts, and as we've been dwelling and are dwelling today on the crucified Son of God, we thank you that he who died for us rose again, and is alive forevermore, able to save and to keep those who come in repentance and faith to him. May there be many who this Easter will meet with and worship and obey the risen Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Um, Our second reading is in John 19. Starting at the second half of verse 16, it's right at the bottom of page 1087 in the Church Bibles. The Crucifixion of Jesus. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and him with two others one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews uh, protested to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, They divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciples whom he loved standing nearby, He said to her, Woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, 
this disciple took her into his home. Continuing on with verse 28. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 35 kilograms. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Steve Tash, thanks very much indeed uh, for reading for us this morning. Uh, Please uh, do keep your Bibles open uh, as we come to uh, God's Word, and let me pray. Father, we do thank you so much uh, for your Word. We thank you for the certainty of the things that we have been taught. And I pray that uh, uh, the seed of your Word will be planted deep in our hearts this morning. By your Spirit, would you be at work in our hearts? In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, So as uh, we come to Good Friday, obviously we have in our mind's eye the crucifixion of Jesus. And uh, tonight, for those of us who are over 18 and would like to, uh, you're welcome to come here to watch the film The Passion of the Christ. Uh, Three quarters of the runtime of that film are given over to the brutalizing of Jesus by the religious elite by the people and the Romans. The movie uh, brings us face to face with the physical horror of the run-up and the 
crucifixion itself. Hollywood wants us to stare at the physical horror. However, as we turn to the gospel writers, and in our case, the book of John, uh, we see something very different. Uh, From chapter 12 of John's gospel, he turns his attention to the final week, and then from chapter 13 onwards, the final hours ahead of the crucifixion. Now, John set the scene in the first 12 chapters, and then the camera zooms in, and the film runs at a slower speed. But the focus of the final chapter is, or the final chapters, isn't on the brutality of what happened to Jesus. In fact, uh, it was so barbaric, so horrific, that Roman law prohibited uh, Roman citizens from being crucified. The horror of that event is captured literally in four words by John. There they crucified him. For the gospel writers, what's in focus is what does it all mean? What does it all mean? Why is this event, the crucifixion, why is it so significant that the gospel writers would give over so much of their gospels to focusing in and bearing down on that event? And as John draws the various strands of his gospel together, and now as we focus on his death, he uses one particular word, or at least I would like to use one particular word to help us see what it means. One particular word to show us the importance of the cross. And this word, this one word, is a great comfort to us. But it's also a profound challenge. This is the word. Now, I know that some of you are thinking it all looks like Greek to me. And indeed, it is Greek. Tetelestai. Can we say that together? Tetelestai. Tetelestai. It means, or or the lexical range of this word encompasses things like finished, uh, completed, ended, accomplished, performed, perfected. And this is the word that we see in verses 28 through 30 of our reading. We read this, take a look at your Bibles. Later, knowing that everything had now been been finished, tetelestai, and so the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. The jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the plant, of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. As John draws things together here, he wants us to see that there are two things that are tetelestai, finished. Firstly, the scripture is fulfilled, tetelestai. And second, that the work that Christ came to do, that that too is finished, tetelestai. So let's look at those two things. Scripture and Christ's work. Firstly then, John wants us to see that scripture has been fulfilled. That the death of Jesus on the cross isn't an accident. Uh, It isn't that Jesus just happened to be uh, a person in the wrong place at the wrong time and therefore just a victim of his circumstances. 
No, John wants us to see that what happened to Jesus was foretold and foreshadowed and told to us by God himself, revealed in scripture throughout time. And as we look through scripture, uh, what do we see? There are really interesting little nuggets that John puts in, little descriptions that um, really help us see that he's pointing back uh, to scripture. He wants us to remember echoes of this event throughout the Bible. And so we we turn to uh, verse 17. He tells us that Jesus carried his own cross. Uh, For the readers at the time, uh, and maybe for some of us here, that would have prompted them to remember the account of Abraham and his son Isaac. Isaac uh, was uh, uh, Abraham's son, a gift to him and Sarah. And God gave Abraham, the father of the Jewish faith, uh, a calling. And he asked him to sacrifice his son. Abraham took Isaac and the wood for the burnt offering was carried up a hill by Abraham's son. There's an echo there. The son carries the wood for sacrifice up the hill. But in that encounter, God spared Abraham from sacrificing his son because at the place of sacrifice, God provided a ram. And now here, we read of another son, Jesus, God's only son, carrying his wood for the sacrifice up another hill. And this time, at the top of the hill, God the Father would not provide a substitute. On this hill, God the Father watched as his only son was sacrificed. And in verse 18, we're told that, uh, that, uh, that Jesus was crucified. And as we look back uh, in the Old Testament, as we had read by uh, Colin earlier on today, uh, we're introduced to this figure, the suffering servant in Isaiah 52. God's chosen servant who will make reconciliation possible, not just for the people of Israel, but for the people of all nations. John tells us that Jesus is crucified in the middle of two criminals. And we see that in verse 18. And as we look back at Isaiah 53 verse 12, we're told that this suffering servant was numbered amongst the transgressors. The sentence he bears, he pours out his life. And when he does that, he does that amongst the transgressors. So we read this. Because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered amongst the transgressors. And then he goes on, 53, 13, 52, 13, excuse me. See, my servant will act wisely. He'll be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Uh, earlier in John's gospel, as Jesus speaks to Nicodemus, see that in John chapter three, Jesus says of himself that he, he will be lifted up on a pole like the serpent that Moses lifted up in the wilderness pointing to the death that Jesus was going to suffer, to be lifted up on a Roman cross. Even the crucifixion was prophesied. And here we have echoes in Psalm twenty-two, sixteen, which we had read. Dogs encircle me, a pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. Centuries before crucifixion was even invented, uh, here we have King David describing prophetically the death of the king that was to come. And again, in the servant song in Isaiah, we read of the sort of death that the servant of God would receive. In Isaiah 53, 5, 
He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And John tells us that there was a notice also fixed to the cross. Pilate had written, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Written in Arabic, Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. All the languages of the nations. Everyone would be able to read that this man hanging on the cross was indeed the king. Unwittingly, uh, Pilate, the one who interrogated Jesus and asked what is truth, has written and posted the truth about Jesus, that Jesus is the king. He's written it in languages that all the nations can read. And so we have echoes here of Psalm 96.10. Say among the nations... The Lord reigns. And then John tells us that the soldiers cast lots for Jesus' clothing. Again, we turn to Psalm 22, verse 18. They divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. The soldiers look to take profit from the victims, oblivious to the sufferings of the Christ on the cross, and they gamble for his clothing. Uh, last night, we had a uh, Passover meal uh, here uh, to help us see the importance of Passover to uh, uh, Christians today. And John reminds us of the Passover in verse 31 uh, of our reading. He tells us it was the day of preparation. Uh, the irony is clear. As Jesus was hanging on the cross, the real Passover lamb, meanwhile at the temple, at the same time, the religious leaders were sacrificing Passover lambs. The Passover was being fulfilled, completed, finished in the death of the true Passover lamb, Jesus. But the religious elite refused to accept it. And as Jesus saw all that had happened, John sees this as the fulfillment of the prophetic words of King David in Psalm 22. I am poured out like water. And all my joints are out of joint. All my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. So when John says in verse 28, later, knowing that everything would now be finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Jesus knew everything had been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, tetelestai. He knows that all of scripture has been fulfilled, and therefore he reaches back to the Psalms, I am thirsty. Everything happened the way that God had ordained it. It's not an accident. It was the preordained plan of God. So scripture is tetelestai. Secondly, John wants us to see that the work of Christ is finished. So we read in verse 30, uh, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Scripture having been tetelestai, finished, now Jesus says, it is finished. The work that he's come to do has been accomplished, to pay for our rebellion against God. To take on himself the penalty of our rebellion and the wrath of God that we rightly deserve. 
for having rejected him. Uh, In John's gospel, Jesus has already explained that God is offering out salvation to anyone, anyone who would trust in Jesus. Trust that the work that Jesus came to do has the power to make us right with God. In three Chapter 3, verses 16 to 18, probably one of the most uh, famous bits of scripture. We read this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. It's a wonderful and terrifying truth. It's terrifying because it reveals that humanity has rebelled against God and deserves to be cut off from God, to be cut off eternally, to find ourselves permanently away from any good thing, from light, from warmth, from joy from friendship, from love, from community, comfort, tenderness, intimacy, gentleness, compassion, mercy, from all good things. And to die an eternal death that the crucifixion is an image of, a dim echo of just how terrible that separation from God is. Because humanity has lived without care or regard for God, humanity has taken the good things of God and not cared a jot for him. Humanity finds itself at the divine bar of God's justice and the ruling, guilty. The penalty, eternal condemnation. A price we can never pay. But, but, God in his love came to pay the price. God himself comes in the form of a man to pay the price. You see, rebellion is us putting ourselves where only God deserves to be. It's us putting ourselves on the throne of our lives. Salvation is when God puts himself where only we deserve to be. On a cross, dying in our place. So we can go free. And as Jesus says, tetelestai, it is finished. He does declare that everything that we need to be made right with God has been done. Finished, completed, perfected. There is nothing more to do. Jesus has done it all. Tetelestai, it is finished. Jesus tells us that everything that we need to move from being rebels and enemies of God to becoming his children, dearly loved, known and loved by him, it's all been done by Jesus. We simply need to trust that work. Trust that the gap between us and God has been closed by the work of Christ. That Christ has completed that work. Trust that all that we need to be received into the ever-loving, eternal arms of God has been done 
by Christ, tetelestai. But there's a problem, isn't there? There's a problem. And the problem is, we don't believe it. I don't believe it. You don't believe it. We don't believe it. I don't mean that in the sense of sitting a test, you know, where there's a multiple choice answer. How much has Jesus done for your salvation? A, 25%. B, 50%. C, 75%. D, 100%. Yet I think we would all choose D, 100%. I'd check that box, and I'm sure that all of you would as well. In our heads, we know that Jesus has done everything that we need to be made right with him. We all check that box 100% in our heads. We know that in our heads. But when I look at my life, when I look at the way that I live, it doesn't reflect that truth. My life doesn't reflect that Christ has done everything to make me right with God. My life doesn't reflect the certainty of being held in the arms of God and being loved by him. My life doesn't reflect the truth of tetelestai, the truth of it is finished. How about you? Let's ground this in two practical ways to see if we do believe it is finished. Firstly, if we believed Jesus when he said tetelestai, we would be a welcoming people. Uh, it's been great that the Lord's been at work in our midst um, through Al-Anon and uh, the work of CI. And we've seen a number of folk here uh, Sunday by Sunday, uh, many of whom are not like us. The histories and stories are not like many of us. How are you with them? Do you greet them on a Sunday offering a warm hand of welcome and wanting genuinely to get to know them? Or do you in some way think that you are better than they are? That your life is more pulled together? That you would never fall into the same addictive patterns as they have? And as a result, you keep your distance, politely, but you keep your distance. If that's you, then your life is not reflecting the truth of Christ's finished work. You think that in some way that you're better than the others. And that being better means that God will in some way prefer you over others. You don't believe, Tetelestai, you don't believe it is finished. We might say in our heads it's finished, but our lives aren't reflecting that. Remember, you and I needed rescue to be made right with God. It's not what we did, but it's everything that Christ did on a Roman cross to make us right. Bearing our guilt, our shame, we are in just as much need of rescue as anyone else. If we really believe Tetelestai, it is finished. If we believe that, we would have the means to go to the margins and work with those who are broken. We would joyfully hold out the finished work, hold out the gospel to others. So believing it's finished will make us 
a welcoming people. Secondly, if we really believe tetelestai, it is finished, we'd be able to live our lives in a way that showed the world that we are living for God, that we're living for him and not living for the things of the world. Trusting that the way that he calls us to live is the best way to live, even when it's hard, even when it's tempting not to. Jesus lived his life, yet as the scriptures called him to live, yet even when it was hard, as we've read this morning. Now, as Jesus was arrested in the garden, there was a scuffle and swords were drawn. Neil preached on this, uh, John, 8, John 18, 11, earlier in the series. Surrounded by people looking to arrest him, Jesus remarks that he must drink the cup that the Father has given him. And the reason for that, he says, how else? How else will scripture be fulfilled? His focus, even when it's difficult, is on doing the things that God calls him to do, that scripture calls him to do. And for Jesus, it meant the road to a cross, submitting to the Father's will. And praise him, give him thanks that he did that, because because of that we're here this morning. Because of that, we know our salvation. So if Jesus submitted to the scriptures, then surely we can submit ourselves to the scriptures as well. And remember that trusting the word of God is not busy work. It's not stuff that God gives us to do just to keep us out of trouble. God has given us this because it's the way that we have life and we have life in all of its fullness, even when it's hard. We may be at work or at school and there's pressure to make fun of someone because everyone else is doing it. Will you stand firm and not get dragged into that mess? Because you know that that person is an image bearer of God. You trust in Tetelestai. Now I wonder, as you think about financial giving, I wonder, do you see yourself as a generous person? Or are you tempted just to give what little is left when you spend on all your other priorities? Or do you believe it is finished? And that the greatest gift, the gift beyond any price, beyond anything that money can buy, is already yours. That you've been made right with God and you've become a child of God. And because of that, you will prioritize your giving to gospel work and you'll give sacrificially. Or do you not give sacrificially? Because you think that God won't care for you. So you need to provide for yourself. That in some way, in some way, a healthy bank account will help on that final day. That in some way, the work of being made right with God hasn't been finished on the cross. So we need to hold on to a little bit of cash, just in case. As we look at the cross, we see that for you and for me... Christ didn't hold anything back. For us, he gave sacrificially of himself. He left nothing behind. As Christ thought about the blood he was going to pour out, he didn't say, hmm, what's the least I can give to help them? He didn't ask his father if he could tithe his blood. 
He poured it all out. Being beaten, crowned with thorns, scourged, nailed and speared for you and for me. He gave everything for us. So a question for us to reflect upon is, are we giving sacrificially? Are we giving sacrificially to gospel work? And doing that as a response to what's been done for us. Do we believe tetelestai? And we can think about, you know, we thought about money, we can think about forgiveness, we can think about acts of service in the same way, uh, a desire to gather, uh, encouragement. There are lots of things we can apply the same thought process to, to see whether we really do trust tetelestai, we really do trust that it is finished. So secondly, believing it's finished will make us a distinctive people. Believing it's finished will radically change our lives. I wonder where in your life are you not trusting that it is finished? Or where in your life do you live as if Christ's work hasn't quite been fulfilled? And the question is, where do you get the power to live that radically changed life? That's the topic of Easter Sunday's talk. So to close, what can we say as we come to the table this morning? We can rejoice in our hearts that the death of Christ was foretold, a perfect plan to redeem us. We can rejoice that scripture has been fulfilled. We can rejoice that Christ was the true servant king, the suffering servant who was faithful to his father, the one who said, tetelestai. And we can have confidence to know and live in the light of the truth of that completed work, that work of salvation. A salvation that's completed, finished, done. Tetelestai. And as we ready ourselves to come to the table this morning, let me read to us uh, the servant song from Isaiah 52 and 53. This is God's promise to his people hundreds of years before Jesus came into the world. I take a moment now before I read just to ask yourself that question. Do I believe it's finished? Do I believe it's finished? Do I trust in the tetelestai of scripture? Do I trust in the tetelestai of Christ's finished work? Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us and whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. And he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows Yet we esteemed him stricken, 
smitten by God and afflicted. That he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. We are like sheep having gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that before his shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And for his generation who considered that he was cut off. Out of the land of the living. Stricken for the transgressions of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked. And with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence. And there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. As he has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul. He shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one. My servant make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered among the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Amen. As we come to the Lord's table now, it reminds us of, as we heard, the true Passover lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the lamb of God, sacrificed to take away the sins of the world. But as the prophet Isaiah says, he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. The Lord Jesus, he came to give his life as a ransom for many. He died a criminal's death that our sins deserve. The Lord Jesus, he was punished in our place. And through trusting in him, we would receive his forgiveness and be reconciled to God through the cross. Because at the cross, the atoning work of Jesus is finished. It is finished. And through the Lord Jesus, we have been made clean, holy, pure, righteous. And therefore, as those trusting in the Lord Jesus, we can ponder all that it costs him to bring us back to him. That we would have life in his name. As we come to the table, let me pray to give thanks for the bread. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the sacrifice of your son as we remember this this meal this bread uh, as we tear it as his body was torn and broken for us that we can come to you whole because of what he has done for us in jesus name we give thanks amen Uh, This meal is a meal that reminds us of that ultimate sacrifice of of the Lord Jesus, of his death on the cross. And therefore, it is a meal for those who are trusting in the Lord Jesus. 
the wine is, is, is grape juice and the, the bread is gluten-free, so there is no obstacle, no barrier to those who would wish to take uh, the meal together. If perhaps you have yet to trust in the Lord, then please don't be embarrassed to let the elements pass you by, but take a moment to reflect on what we have heard, uh, to see, uh, to, to reflect on where you are before the Lord. And for those trusting in the Lord Jesus, please do take the bread and eat it with gladness as we remember all that the Lord Jesus did for us, uh, that through his body we've been brought to him, and through his blood shed we've been forgiven. When you receive the, the, the bread, please take it and eat it as you receive it. And when you take the, the wine, please hold on to that and we'll drink it together. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us eat and feast on Christ by faith together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us drink with thankful hearts. Heavenly Father, our our hearts are overwhelmed by your sacrifice in giving your Son for us, that we would have life in his name. We thank you, Lord, that it is finished, that it is complete, that the work is done. Help us to rest in that, we pray. Amen. That brings us to the end of our service. Uh, This evening, we'll uh, have uh, our film at 7.30, The Passion of the Christ. That is uh, for all those who would wish to come along. It is Certificate 18, so uh, please do make sure that uh, that you are at least 18 to come along to that. Uh, Sunday morning, uh, obviously we have our Easter service. Uh, Welcome along to that. Uh, That is 10.30 on Sunday morning. Uh, If you have friends or family that would love to be part of that, it would be great to have them as well. If you are a guest, please do make yourself known afterwards. It would be great to to get to know you. Um, But let me pray as we close together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that at the cross that we stand forgiven, that it is finished that Christ has done it all, that we can receive that and go forward in that. Help us, we pray, to believe that in our hearts, to know that and to treasure that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.